You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, that's um, that's pretty bad. The Raptors lose 122-114 to 114 to the Indiana Pacers. Their second loss to the Pacers of this season. Their first with Pascal Siakam in tow. Another 30-plus point performance from Gary Trent Jr. Awesome to see. Um, a very good first three quarters from Pascal Siakam. Some hesitancy in that fourth and taking on the brunt of the Pacers game plan. Missed shots, etc. Scotty, 23, 8, and 8. I think probably his one of his best games as a as a pro, honestly, considering the game plan, how he was played, and his defense, which I thought was awesome. There's a reason that at the end of this game, he's a plus 16. A lot of the other guys, nobody comes close to that. When Scotty was on the floor, a lot of things went well for the Raptors. OG, very impressive game defensively, even if the team wasn't good on that end. And uh, Fred. Another really tough performance for him. Malachi Flynn as well. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk. And this is, of course, brought to you by Goldfinger Law. And hey, guess what? You got to go with Goldfinger Law. You know why? Because you only pay with them if you win. And when you win, typically, you have a, a surplus of money. Or at least not, you aren't losing a bunch of money. Like when you lose in the, I guess, the battle of the courts lawyer stuff. Anyway. But anyway, Goldfinger Law, you can contact them at 416-730-1777. And quick housekeeping, there's a three-on-three tournament, the 10th annual Raptors Republic three-on-three tournament, January 29th. Feel free to uh, come hang out at that, uh, get a team for that. Just type that in on Google. I'm sure something will come up and you'll have way more details than I'm currently giving you. But it's 10th annual. It's always fun and popular. Um, A lot of cool people come and play basketball. Uh, so you can do that. I will be there uh, as well if you want to come chop it up and block me at the rim or steal the ball from me or something like that. Uh, there's also a live podcast February 7th, right before the trade deadline, where we will talk amongst, it's hosted by myself and Louis Satzman. We'll talk with a bunch of Raptors Republic current staff members and alumni, uh, their special guests, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I believe it's $20 for people who aren't subscribed to the website and $10 for all-star subscribers, and both of which come with a drink. Drinks are pretty expensive. I think it should be a good deal. A fun night of talking basketball, and that close to the trade deadline, uh, talking about what the Raptors may or may not be doing. Reacting to something, or trying to, uh, I guess, uh, predict something. Anyway, 114 to 122. The Raptors lose this game. And you have to look in this game and think, honestly, most of this comes on the defensive end. Blow buys at the point of attack. Transition defense. Some lackadaisical stuff off ball. The Raptors didn't have the juice to contain the Pacers over the course of the full game. And for pockets, periods in time, the Raptors did ratchet their defense up. They were really, really great at a bunch of different things. 
a bunch of different actions that the Pacers ran, the Raptors were able to keep up, wall them off, move them onto something different, move them into the back end of the shot clock, continue to force misses. And even if the ball did go down, the process was pretty good. Some stretches of this game. In others, they the first action that the Pacers were running worked. And it could have been something as simple as you know a pick and roll. Could have been something as simple as a, a wide pin for Buddy Heald or a dribble handoff for Buddy Heald, who was just so damn good. I want, I've said this on the podcast before, but I want that guy on the Raptors. I want him bad. And the Raptors couldn't keep pace uh, with the Pacers, as it were. 40 minutes for Gary, 39 and a half for OG, 39 for Pascal, nearly 40 for Scotty, 36 for Fred. This is a team. And Precious Achua was back tonight. Fred was back tonight for what it's worth. Precious, we'll talk about his minutes specifically. They were a wild ride. Um, we'll talk about it later. But the Raptors continue to try and play their guys more minutes than other teams are willing to play their guys in hopes that their starting lineup will win more minutes so that they can stay in games and hopefully someday win a lot of games. There are bodies on the line here. Uh, the Raptors, for a long time, have been doing this. I believe last year, the top three minutes per game leaders in the NBA were Raptors. They run a lot of miles on defense. They, um, Depending on who it is, they get asked to do a lot offensively. And the guys who spend a lot of minutes on the floor and the guys who are asked to do a lot offensively and the guys who travel a lot of miles defensively, the Venn diagram is a circle. It's all the same guys. And you can tell. They get gassed in these games. They get tired. The, the way that they run their offense gets less effective because the off-ball stuff is being run with the same gumption. You're not carrying the threat as often as you should be. It puts more onus on the guy on ball to create against a more engaged defense to him. And then he's also tired trying to beat a more engaged defense. These things compile. These things, I guess, uh, stack on top of each other, and they make things worse. And that's something that the Raptors have not really been able to get away from. And then on the other end, it's as simple as the Raptors against this Pacers team, as I said earlier, not being able to keep track of guys off ball in some of the simplest actions that are run in the NBA that the Raptors are supposed to be able to stymie with their versatility. And yes, air quotes for that, but the Raptors are married to one style of play. They can run different coverages within it, but the weak points remain the same. They can't give a bunch of different looks. They don't have a bunch of different strengths to turn to offensive or defensively, I should say. They have a couple things they're trying to maximize and do. And as, you know, the, a lower half defensive team currently this season, a team that has been bad at keeping teams away from the rim, a team that still gives up a lot of really good looks from behind the three-point line, and a team that gives up one of the highest percentages at the rim in the NBA, they are not stopping teams from getting to the good shots. And 122 is a lot of points to be scored in the NBA. Tyrese Halberton didn't have, what, 15, 17 assists like he did in the last game. The Raptors did a pretty good job on him, especially with OG early. But the thing about that is uh, Buddy Heald and Matherin, uh, Matherin to a lesser degree, but Buddy Heald was just completely mashing the Raptors up off ball. So they put OG on him. And that worked out quite well for a stretch. But then things went to the wayside guarding Halberton. And the Raptors, they, they, some end of shot clock stuff happened with Matherin. 
and some transition stuff happened with Matherin and some defensive stuff happened with Matherin and the Raptors, they had turnovers, they had missed shots. They couldn't close down the stretch. And you would like to be able to say like, oh, 26, seven and seven. That used to be just a really great game for Pascal. Now it's just ho-hum. Pascal was so good for the first three quarters, but then started getting doubled, started getting shaded, was, I think, obviously tired. He was gassed, trying to run the offense, was happy to hand it off to Gary in the fourth quarter, and he missed a couple shots short as well. That was He was affected by the game plan. He was affected by the minutes that he played and the how much he had to expend elsewhere in the game. And on top of that, Gary had a nice, a very nice game. Not only in that he was scoring, but there was some creation there. You know, three assists isn't anything to write home about, but that's nice for Gary Trent Jr. And 32 points is just sterling. On 18 shots, you take that any day of the week. A lot of it off his own dribble. Some of it coming off of second side action, attacking closeouts. I loved this game from Gary. And the thing is, the Raptors starting lineup, now you want OG to shoot better than 3 for 11 from downtown. You certainly want Fred to shoot better than 3 of 12 from 3 and 3 of 15 from the field. Alas, neither of these things happened, but the starting lineup probably played well enough to win this game. The big problem is that the bench, Thad gets two points, Precious gets three, Coloco gets two. If you want to hear what the Indiana bench got up to, 15 for TJ McConnell, who beat everybody at the point of attack, mostly Malachi Flynn, but everybody. He even beat Precious on one occasion. Uh, Matherin, 21 points. Duarte, two, he sprained his ankle. O'Shea Brissett, five, had a three, had a big dunk. Uh, Jalen Smith, 11 and 11 off the bench. These are massive numbers off the bench, 50 plus off the bench for the Pacers, and the Raptors hardly scoring anything. Um, It's very hard to keep pace when it's basically like a 50-point difference between benches. The Raptors help mitigate this by not playing their bench many minutes. Like Matherin had 27 minutes off the bench. TJ, 21. You know, everybody on the Pacers bench went north of 15 in this game. The Raptors have guys like Chris Boucher, who only plays four minutes. Malachi, who only plays nine. You know, this kind of stuff happens. But still, like the the guy off the bench who played the most minutes was Precious, and he didn't even hit 13. So there's obviously going to be a big disparity in minutes and opportunities to score. But that doesn't mean that there isn't truthfully a disparity in scoring talent and uh, I guess the ability to be an asset to these starters. The Raptors bench in this game was bad. And Nick Nurse quickly decided he wanted this one. He did not want to offer up any of those bench minutes. He was even, you know, kind of, he, he was reluctant to go with even these transitional lineups. And the Raptors played heavy minutes and they lost. Now, can you sit back and say that everything that went wrong is related to a lack of depth that affected the stamina, that affected the ability to close. I mean, I think you could say that. You certainly could say something like that. And you'd probably be closer to the truth than you are from any sort of falsehood. On top of that, though, the Raptors, they needed better performances from their starters. Some of the bad performing wasn't just saved for I guess, the the fourth quarter. But the Raptors had opportunities missed on them. It's hard to win at the NBA level. It's very hard to try and lift up other players who are consistently losing their piece of the possession. 
on either side of the floor or to recover for a guy who's getting beat. And when the Raptors have a slew of guys on the team who are getting beat at the point of attack, when they have a slew of guys on the team who are missing open shots, and it seems like every game is guys not necessarily taking turns on ball. There were, In this game, especially when it was going well, I think there was a harmony to the offense, especially in the half court at times. But guys are taking turns hitting their shots. It's not about guys taking turns being involved. Like Fred Van Vliet, he was less involved in this game than he was in some others, but he was still absolutely essential in that a lot of these possessions, when filtered out of other players' hands, they end up in his. He's the guy, the ball comes to him, it's an open look, and he goes three for 12. OG Ananobi, there's a similar thing going on there, although his overall game I thought was much better than than Fred's. But it's that lack of punch at the end of these plays that allows for the Raptors to say like, okay, we still have to get shot making. And then Malachi Flynn comes off the bench and and there's no punch there, right? And it's Chris Boucher, there's no punch there. An early uh, early shot clock three, I believe, from above the break and and Thad and Precious for all the things that he provided and was part of a very, very good defensive stretch, offensively uh, leaned into the things that frustrate people about his game. It wasn't the best offensive stretch for Precious. The Raptors played zone for a large amount of time that he was on the floor or played against the zone. Uh, Things got messy. Things got quirky. They got chaotic. They found some things in there. Uh, It wasn't all good. It wasn't all bad. And that stuff isn't dependable, though. And so even though the Raptors came out of that stretch kind of, you know, like the, the zero zero, let's say they, they drew even uh, Nick Nurse was eager to move on from that lineup because you can't set your watch to it. You can't tell what the Raptors are going to do when they're making plays in all of that chaos. They're used to having a team that they could kind of set their watch that like we win the chaos. But the Raptors aren't necessarily winning those battles all the time anymore. And that's something they used to do. And more often than it should, the Raptors aren't performing in their play types the way that they're supposed to. This game was not lost because of Pascal Siakam, but him getting picked off in a two-on-one, bouncing it or trying to bounce it past Halliburton and it going back the other way is an example of points left on the board. And Siakam, isn't. this is just an example. He's not the main culprit or anything like that, but the Pacers having more points per possession in their transition opportunities by a great deal than the Raptors do is is really bad. The Pacers having a way better offensive rebounding in this game than the Raptors did is really bad. And also on top of that, the Pacers didn't shoot the three as often as the Raptors shot the three in this game. And the Raptors, because they were shooting the three well, they, they kept going back to it. The Pacers were collapsing on Pascal Siakam, even OG and Gary to some extent, right? The ball sprays out. They hit some threes. Very nice to see. But the thing about that is, the Pacers took the good ones late and they hit them. And the Raptors took good ones late and they didn't hit them. And the Raptors aren't, like it's, it's not clinical. They, sometimes they are creating those shots that you want them to create. Sometimes they are doing the thing you want them to do. It's just the outcomes aren't exactly where you want them to be. And that's, that's a tough thing to do is to look at a team where you say, I think we're achieving something here, but do we have the requisite talent that, it's working when we achieve it. Maybe, maybe not. You have guys like OG Ananobi and Fred Van Vliet who continue to have career low seasons from downtown. And these guys make up the bulk outside of Gary Trent Jr. of your three-point shooting. 
it's really hard game to game to survive these blows. And you hate to kind of sit here at the end of the game and say, well, if they just made more threes, because that's not truthfully it. If they made more threes, maybe they stick in this game. Maybe there's less runouts for the Pacers. Maybe they have a better response defensively, as Nick Nurse talked about at the end of the Memphis Grizzlies game, right? When he was saying, our offense fails, we have to play transition defense. That's really tough. And while the Pacers weren't in transition a ton tonight, they were effective in transition, clinical, and they scored in those situations. And the Raptors didn't. And the Raptors didn't hit their shots late. And the Raptors, for what it's worth, did not sustain their effort throughout the game. They got tired. They they were sloppy at times. And it just it didn't work out. That has been the case for the Raptors, is these little pockets of really nice basketball where they're overwhelming, they're swarming, they're creating the intended outcomes and effects that their defense wants. They're hitting shots offensively. So it looks like this is a team with you know, a bunch of these skilled forwards who can do a bunch of different things and that's all great and that's all happening. But the truth is that a lot of the Raptors' skilled forwards is just Pascal Siakam. OG Ananobi finds his pockets offensively and he's going to do enough good things that he's objectively a positive player on that side. Is he currently, though, enough of a creator to justify the way that the Raptors play offense and how they try and operate? Not exactly. And that's not his fault. He's not paid to do that. He's not necessarily expected to do that. But the Raptors need it from somewhere. And if they're going to be sacrificing traditional skills and rules for this new age basketball that is supposed to be kind of genre defining, they have to be able to do some of the things that define basketball itself. They have to be able to defend quick guards at the point of attack. They have to be able to shoot the ball when it falls into their hands, not just in a couple guys on the floor, two or three per game, but maybe four or five. You know, some teams have five or six guys who can carry the advantage, put the ball on the floor and keep the flow of the offense going instead of it stagnating to the same spots. That's why Scotty in this game was so important offensively and defensively. Defensively, as the low man backlining, I thought he was really great. And some of that was because the Raptors had really nice pockets of point of attack defense when he was on the floor. Maybe some of that is related to the Raptors having more juice during those, you know, uh, after halftime and at the very start of the game, good stretches. But I tell you this much, Scotty had a nice game as the backline guy. I thought, I thought he was really impressive. And offensively, being the connecting piece, I talked about this with Sam Bassini when we were talking about, you know, like a star role for him and what I thought he would look really good doing in an NBA offense. And I was basically describing what he did in this game where he's being this tremendous connector piece, using his plus mobility against these defenses that are sagging off to create mountains of space for his shooters, for his playmakers. And he did that for Scotty, or sorry, he did that for Pascal, he did that for Gary, he did that for Fred, and that was awesome to see. And then on top of that, as they continue to sag, Scotty, big not only as a guy who's getting to the rim sometimes, but big as a screener. Big as a guy ceiling now going on his way downhill to the basket. And then, you know, taking on some of these possessions and like crab dribbling his way to the bucket, taking, you know, taking account of where the help side is and keeping it at bay because he has his live dribble. He knows what he wants to do. He's going to react to the defense and the defense saying, we know this guy can make a myriad of passes. We don't want to oversell. 
and Scotty actually going in on Miles Turner and getting like an isolation in that space close to the bucket and making good on it. And then if a smaller guy was on him, like Buddy Heald, for example, then of course it was a bucket. Just played in space so well. There was so much intentionality. There was so much feel for what he was doing on the court. And I thought it was tremendous. This was one of my favorite Scotty games I've ever watched. He was awesome. But that can't be all that's going on because there is going to be a defensive response a little bit. And the ball is going to eventually go out to other players. And the shots have to go down. Only they didn't. Sometimes the shots don't fall, but it's not sometimes for the Raptors. It's most times. And that coupled with defense that hasn't been up to snuff means they're not keeping themselves in games. The only thing that's keeping the Raptors in games currently is the fact that they're willing to play their guys more minutes than other teams. And the Raptors do have some really great players. Pascal Siakam playing like three or four extra minutes more than most other stars in the NBA and and two or three than a lot of them. Those are minutes you win, typically. Pascal wins his minutes. You are, you're not hacking basketball, but you're saying we have a route to winning more minutes and it's this guy's legs, that his shoulders that we're resting upon. Same thing with OG, right? Just guys who win minutes, you just say more of that from you. How sustainable is that over a career, over like a a years-long plan of team building? I don't know. It's tough to say. It it really is. And Gary Trenchard, same thing. 40 minutes tonight. Man. (sighs) The Raptors couldn't do it, though. They just... It's tough to talk yourself into thinking that this team is a good team right now. They um they might capture it for a game or two at a time, but there's been no consistent performance from this team. And not even that, but they haven't even consistently achieved anything really. You know, there's been games where the defensive rebounding is good. There's been games where the offensive rebounding is good. There's been games where they get out and run a lot. There's been games where they don't. It's different every game. And finding different pockets every game is not really what good teams do. It's what young, bad teams do. And the Raptors do not have a consistent bone in their body this season besides, you know, a couple of the players having good years. It's it's tough to watch a team that is so far removed from their identity or that their identity was ill-conceived, let's say. Tough. Very tough to say. Reggie Evans Award, I want Scotty Barnes for that award, dude. I thought he was awesome tonight. I really, really liked Scotty's performance. I think he deserves a ton of credit for that one. The top quick reaction comment is from Chiznack. Quote, Nick Nurse watched Precious lock up Halliburton and proceeded to put Fred on him instead to get cooked every possession. End quote. Hmm. I remember that possession. Precious was awesome. I, uh, hmm. Precious also didn't close and Fred didn't have the Halliburton. Um, he didn't, he didn't guard him all game or anything. I think that the fan base is now I'm not defending, um, Fred necessarily, But I think what the fan base, what a lot of people do, and it's what happened to Pascal, it's what happened to to a lot of players, is that when one guy is struggling and there's kind of like a whipping boy and Fred needs to be better at a lot of things, he's worse at a lot of things this year, 
than he was at things last year. But once somebody becomes the target, they become the magnet for all things. Um, a few different players struggled at the point of attack against Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Pascal Siakam struggled at the point of attack late against Buddy Heald, for example, gave up a blow-by. The blow-bys at the end of the game were indiscriminate to some degree. Everybody was getting uh, beat. And, and as I said earlier, Precious even got beat by TJ McConnell, which you don't want to see. But I, I do remember that play, Precious. Really nice defense on Halliburton. Although Halliburton, you know, <laughs> he shouldn't have tried it. But Precious didn't close, and the Raptors, I'm sure they thought that Fred needed to be out there. And I understand why they think that. And I understand that Fred provides you with an extra ball handler who doesn't introduce that element of absolute chaos like Precious did when he was in the game. And while I do want Precious starting on this team, I, man, it's it's tough. Discussing Fred right now is, do you... Are you, are you updating your priors on him? Are you taking stock of where he's been in his career? Do you expect him to get back to that spot, especially with the shooting? Defensively, he's he's still a positive defender. I would disagree wholeheartedly with actually thinking that Fred is is the problem for the Raptors defensively. I don't think that's accurate at all. And, and I'd, I also don't think he was the um, he was the main problem with Halliburton. I think the Raptors got beat on a lot of places on the floor and had to try and plug holes, um, whack-a-mole style or whatever, right? Um, it's He's still a very good off-ball defender as well, too. But he's failing at things that people have come to expect from him. And so now it's seen as like everything Fred does is bad. And I disagree with that. There's definitely room to critique him, for sure. But this seems like... It's just putting the defense on him. Yes, Precious did stop Halliburton on one possession. Yes, Precious had a couple nice, um, I guess, stretches defensively. But I don't think that Fred was what failed the Raptors' defense in this game. I think Fred failed the Raptors' offense a couple times, as I said earlier, when the ball swung to him and the ball didn't go down. That's what Fred is paid for. Fred is paid to make shots, that's that's this that's a big part of the skill set that he's paid for, and you, you get the money regardless. Hey, you you got that contract, you do your thing. But fans can be, I guess, disappointed with the outcomes of those shots. But I don't agree with him being like the problem with the defense. The point of attack defense, as a whole, um, struggled in this game. So, and, and Precious, I understand why he didn't close. Um, for sure. Although I would love Precious closing or being seen as like, this guy should close until proven otherwise. I, I'm very high on Precious's defense, but I understand why he didn't tonight. It wasn't like his sharpest game. It's his first game back after two months off. So yeah. Thanks for writing in. Listener, thanks for listening in. Uh, if you're on YouTube, like the video, subscribe. Go over to raptorsofpublic.com, subscribe to the website. That's the most important one. And if you're listening on the podcast channel, thanks for tuning in. Let me chop it up with you. And uh, yeah, whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.